0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This is chapter 10 in a temporary reformatting of the show as we document what's happening in and around Amarillo due to the impact of the COVID 19 coronavirus. Today's episode is focused on the students of the Amarillo Independent School District and how teachers and administration have responded. But before the interviews, I want to say a brief word of thanks. Last week, this podcast hit a milestone, 100,000 unique downloads since we launched in 2017. Now, that's not a huge number for a typical podcast that has a national or an international audience. It's it's just not. But for a hyper-local podcast like this one, one that's only interesting to a limited number of people, maybe the 200,000 people living in this area, that milestone is pretty satisfying. So I want to say thank you to all of you who have listened Uh, since it began, all of you who have started listening recently. Thanks especially to the 160-plus guests that we've featured so far on the show from the weekly one-on-one interviews that we used to do to the new format over the phone of recent weeks. And I'm especially thankful to my regular sponsors like Wick Realty, which has been faithfully supporting the show ever since Katie and Seth listened to the very first episode. So before we move on, Here's their sponsor message. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Wick Realty. Wick helped me buy and sell a home more than a year ago, and in a city filled with realtors and real estate companies, they truly are one of the best. What I really love is that Wick is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. With everyone staying home right now, the real estate business is in a weird place. But interest rates are really low, And when we come out of this, I suspect there will be a lot of interest in buying and selling homes. And when that time comes, talk to the outstanding agents at WIC. Visit WickRealty.com. That's W-I-E-C-K. Now on to the show. So at the end of last week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced an executive order to close school buildings for the rest of this school year. For Amarillo Independent School District, the semester was scheduled to end already on May 22nd. So that's when at-home schooling will end. I've been really impressed with how quickly AISD made the shift, which pretty much took place over the course of spring break in the middle of March. But the shift from classroom learning to exclusively online learning and managing this for 32,000 students across 55 schools has required an amazing amount of coordination, an amazing amount of innovation with a lot of employees learning and decisions being made on the fly. So for this episode, I decided to check in with the school district, from teachers to administrators to the director of child nutrition. The release date for this episode is April 20th. The interviews were recorded within a few hours of Governor Abbott's announcement on Friday, April 17th. So as usual, things may have changed by the time you listen. Here's the show.
1: My name is Julie Huntley. I teach at South Georgia Elementary, 5th grade, language arts, social studies.
0: Okay, Julie, before we talk about the current situation, can you just give me sort of a snapshot of what your, I guess, what your teaching career was like before the current moment? So how many classes, how many students, what were you teaching?
1: 74 students, three teacher team, and one teacher teaches math, one does science. And then I do language arts, social studies,
0: and um, so self, not self-contained, but, um, you know, they rotated through us. I think that's pretty much it. Okay, so tell me what it looks like now um, with the distance learning, uh, trying to move things online. Um, what, is, what has teaching looked like over the past few weeks?
1: Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how much I have learned. I'm kind of I mean, I'm pretty much tech savvy, but you know, I'm also old school, so I'm so thankful to be surrounded by colleagues who are really good with technology because now we are we're finally because of all the help we're getting from the district and our leadership, we are kind of strumming along this week. It's almost like it's eerie because things are pretty smooth now with Google meets and, you know, we meet with our team, our fifth grade students once a week and Google meets and that's always good. We just kind of chat with them and they love seeing each other and seeing our faces and it makes them feel better. And, um, uh, just to you know, having to, it really is involving the parents a whole lot. So I love that, it's not just us and the students, but it really is. It, it takes everybody to make this work for the kids. And so I'm getting to know parents even a whole lot better on a different level. And um, I have so much respect for them and what they're doing and having to work at the same time. You know, some of them are working 12 and 14 hour shifts and it's hard for them to do that and come home and make sure their kids are doing what they need to be doing. But it, every day is a new adventure. And we're always learning. There have been mistakes, and there will be more mistakes. But I just love how everybody is in it together, really, and just full of grace. So when there are mistakes, we just pick up the pieces and learn from it, and we move on. And the kids have been fantastic. And I think they've reached a whole new level of appreciating school life. And so, you know, every day they're telling us how much, they do appreciate us, and it just blesses my heart.
0: I, I know that AISD has been trying to accommodate students who do have the technology at home, you know, to participate in in the online parts, but but also providing like you know printed handouts for people. Do you, do you know like how many of your students kind of fall into either of those categories or any of them struggling to um, to get online access or Wi-Fi, anything like that?
1: Yeah, we we struggled with that a whole bunch in the beginning. Um, but we, that was pretty much what we did those first two weeks is just try to figure out the best way for students to get connected, whether it was online or through paper packets. And, you know, the, even though some of the kids were able to get online, they preferred the paper packets cause they're, they're, they were kind of used to that, I suppose. So right now I think we figured we've got maybe 40% working online versus the others who are doing paper packets. But a lot of them are choosing to do paper packets and turning it in, even though we're still communicating that with them through we use Seesaw at South Georgia. And so we'll post the assignments online, and um, they'll look online and see what it is that we're posting, and then they'll go to their paper packets and then finish that. So everybody is able to do something, whether it be online
0: or paper. At this point, yes, and you you mentioned the communication with the parents. Tell me what that has looked like. Like is it emails back and forth? Are you talking to them on the phone? Are they calling with questions? what What are you oh, hearing from parents?
1: It's everything you can possibly imagine that it's it's everything. So um, I give them my phone number because I want to make myself as easily accessible as I possibly can with the students and the parents. So there's constant texting. There are phone calls also. I may or may not have reached out through to a family member through Facebook on occasion, which was great to do, and um, emails. Also, the parents have, there's a family side on Seesaw for the parents to come in, and they can look and see what their kids are doing, and there's great. We had already pretty much established communication through Seesaw before the, um, we started doing the uh, online learning, but this was now just reaching out and making sure that everybody was able to communicate in one form or another, and that's, that's been an eye-opening experience, but I love it because we really are all working together. I couldn't do this without the parents at all, and um,
0: it's, it's working out really well with them. Have you been doing most of your work from home, or are you going up to the school at all?
1: We're not. No, we're not allowed to go up to the school. Only okay. a few people can, and so we are straight up learning, uh, working from home. And the school provides uh, technology for us, so I use my laptop that the school provided, which has been a godsend. I'm appreciative of that, and um, that's what we're
0: doing. How has this stretched you as? teacher? I mean, obviously there are challenges, but tell me some ways that that this has maybe been more difficult for you and helping you grow.
1: Your priorities change, because it's not about, it's not so much about the grades. It's more about process in which the students are going through in order to get the content that we're pushing out to them. So, our focus, first and foremost, is their safety and their health. And we put, and we tell them that all the time. We always ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, emotional, we try to reach out to them from an emotional perspective. So, like, keeping a journal has become even more important than it was before for these kids. Being able to share personal issues, even more so than academic issues, while the academic issues are important. They are not the most important thing right now. And we are, you know, we've kind of become even more of counselors. And, you know, um, I love that role. And I love just being there for the kids and just letting them know that we haven't forgotten about them and that we are here to support them and their family members. So that has, that has changed dramatically.
0: I know that. You know, you'll you'll want to protect the kids and identity and stuff like that. But can you can give me a sense of some of the things for those who are journaling, who are writing about this current moment? I mean, what are the things you're hearing from them? And this is a period that they will remember, likely, for the rest of their lives. Um, so how are how are they processing, you know, what they're going through right now?
1: Well, it's funny because um, you know, we prompted the journal with a day in the life of
0: an awesome fifth grader during this.
1: This is an epic time in history for COVID-19. They're living history. That's what I tell them. And one day people are going to want to know all the details. So first of all, they reached out, you know, even when we're on Google Meet, they want to show us their pets. They want to show us their bedroom and the posters on the wall and, and their brothers and sisters. And so it, it was kind of all fun and games, not games. It was fun just to get to know them on more of a personal level in the beginning. And then as I continue to reach out to them individually and question them, you know, then we have some who are, they're angry and they really don't understand what's happening and how one disease can just have so much effect over the entire world and they're learning. And it's interesting because you can hear, you can hear what they're saying and writing. You can imagine the conversation that's happening in their household because they pretty much replicate what their parents are saying or not saying. I mean, I even have them interview their parents to uh, get the parents' perspective, and that's always interesting, too. But I think right now, you know, at first it was, they were fearful. And now that we have kind of, we're into the third week, I think they've kind of calmed down, and we have reassured them over and over that it really is gonna be okay. And for fifth graders at South Georgia, you know, they really live for the end of the year, yeah. which is outdoor ed. And we always do that walk of fame where we walk through the school, the fifth graders do, and they on the last day and they high five everybody and they're just so upset we're not gonna to get to do that. So, you know, if when this is all said and done with during the summer, we're going to make that happen one way or another, whether it's June, July, I don't know, but we're, we've got to get together with these kids before mm-hmm. they go to middle school. That's what they're most concerned
0: about. Julie, how long have you been teaching? Oh, good grief, forever. Um, <laughs> since
1: 1986. Wow, okay. 34, 34 years.
0: What's, what's one of the main things that you will remember yourself from this period in terms of your career? In-
1: oh, good grief, the relationships, just the relationships. I mean, yes, I've learned a lot about technology and, you know, but that's going to be, you know, gone in two years. I'll have to learn more. But the relationships, building with these kids right now, these, you know, I've done this before a long, long time ago when I was, I taught overseas during the Gulf, Gulf War and all the parents were deployed. And so it just left kids with their grandparents flew over. We were in Germany and, Again, it wasn't about academics. It was about supporting one another during a very stressful and uncertain time, and that's how it is here too. It just looks a little different. And when we can, I again, it's just about the relationships and helping these kids work through their feelings in a positive way, and not not getting upset or not thinking the worst, or you know, because sometimes they immediately want to go. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna be promoted because. We're not turning in all these papers, but it's just a whole different level, a whole different level right now that is most important to me. And that's what I'm going to take away from this experience with these kids.
0: The last thing I've been asking my guests is what is bringing you hope? So what is, what is something maybe that you've seen, whether it's among your colleagues, with your kids and families, uh, or just in the community around you that is giving you some optimism about maybe what's coming or how we're going to get through this?
1: That's a great question because I'm so full of hope. I love the yellow ribbons, but I've got yellow ribbons and yellow flowers in my yard and all throughout the community in support of, you know, the people on who I say who are on the front line, the nurses and the doctors and the and the police officers because they they need our support right now and that is number one. And I feel that from our community. The neighborhoods are crawling with people just being outside and I've met more people in my neighborhood now than I ever did before. And so I'm loving that. And I love the hope that our administration, our uh, superintendent, I'm just very proud to be a part of Amarillo ISD right now because our leadership, they are so good at owning mistakes and, and rectifying them and say, we're just learning with you with all this. And we're here to support you. What can we do? And they're just a phone call away. It is not hard to reach out to anybody in administration and get immediate feedback, whether it's through the uh, online learning technology or if you're struggling with getting a hold of a parent or some kids. The support system is unbelievable. And I just have more. I'm just impressed more and more every day with the community and the administration.
0: Julie Huntley, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It was an honor. My name is Cassandra Harris, and I teach anatomy and physiology at Pascoe High School, and I have uh, taught there for 20 years, and it's the only school that I have taught at.
0: Cassandra, thanks for being on the show. Could you give me an idea of what your day was like in terms of how many classes, how many students you had before spring break, before we got into this situation.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I have five classes of, a total five classes of anatomy and physiology, with a total of about 150 students in those classes. I do teach another, um, I'm a co-sponsor of our Fish Club class, and so we had about 25 kids in that class as well, which is a leadership class.
0: Okay, and then since, you know, the school district has shut down the schools, moved to dist- distance learning and online learning. Tell me what, you know, your day-to-day has looked like um, with this new reality.
1: So um, we've been very fortunate that our district and principal has really enforced the idea of a 9-to-3 work day, which is very appreciative since you can't work is always there you know, at your kitchen table. And so, you know, wake up and start replying to emails, giving feedback to student assignments, um connecting, contacting parents, doing all those things you would normally do in a normal school day but it is just much much more condensed um, into that nine to three spectrum. Um, with online learning you have um, you have students who are going to have questions. it's going to be difficult to ask them in the normal sense obviously face to face so it's you know replying to lots and lots and lots of emails from students, which is, um, perfectly fine and understandable during these times.
0: How much of, of your instruction is taking place, like, uh, via video? I mean, are, are you checking in with the students on a regular basis, or is it a couple of times a week? How does that work?
1: I have taken the route that I post one assignment on Friday. They have until the following Thursday to work on that. Um, I don't necessarily, on Thursday afternoons, I have Zoom meetings. And so, they are more than welcome to pop in and chat, ask academic questions. A lot of times, they're in these meetings with their peers, and they just want to talk and hang out and, you know, talk about what they're thinking or any of the other things going on in their lives. And um, so, they know I'm always available for video chat and emails, but it's not something necessarily other teachers can have more of like a daily video instruction, and that's just not the route that I've taken. Um I want to give my kids lots of options so they can work around um, they can make their schedule work to however they need to learn
0: best. What do you hear from your students in terms of how they are responding <clears throat> to this how they're adapting I mean are 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 they able to get online and get connected um, and, and get the assignments the way that you intend?
1: Yes, so I'm very fortunate in my class I was already a very We use Google Classroom and Chromebooks in our classroom every single day. So my students are very adept, and they're actually very... um, They're pros at using technology in the way that we're using it now. So I was just very fortunate that this was a pretty easy transition for them with the virtual learning aspect of it. Um, But, you know, other than that, they're struggling... Just with the the mental aspect, you know, being away from their friends and not having that social interaction, you know, they just crave attention. But with the um, online learning and all of that, I would say almost every single one of my kids has been able to get online and I've been able to connect with them or connect with their parents in some form or fashion.
0: What are some of the things, I mean, you, you mentioned um, the ways that your students are are kind of craving that interpersonal relationships that they're missing out on. I mean, what are, what have you heard from them in terms of, of their response to right now and, and how it's going <clears throat> with them?
1: You know, some students, they, they're fine. They are just like, woohoo, no school. You know, I mean, it is school, but not in the, the normal sense. I do have a high proportion of seniors. And my seniors are sad. They're upset. They're missing all those wonderful things that they've looked forward to their whole lives as their seniors, you know, prom was supposed to be last weekend. They didn't get to go to that. Um, But they're managing the best they can. I did have a student who reached out to me who was struggling and needed some pretty quick, immediate help. And I'm fortunate that we have a beautiful virtual village. And within about Five minutes of me sending the email to the counselor and the principal, the counselor was calling me. And I would say probably within about 20 minutes of that original email, I know the mom of the student had already been contacted and um, a referral to dial care, which is a a um, phone call-in system where students can get access to mental health counseling, was given, and the student is doing really well. So you know, it does take a team, a team, it takes this virtual village, but, you know, some students are going to struggle, but we have lots of systems in place, and um, that support, and everyone is all in to get our kids through this.
0: Tell me a little bit about what you've experienced from your leadership, whether it's administration at Tascosa, whether it's the school board, <clears throat> um, AISD administration, I mean, have you felt like this was something that that you got some real clear direction that everybody's been working together to to make the best of this situation
1: yes absolutely um I think this all kind of rolled out really about the middle of spring break and they were um, very clear in that they were doing what was best for us and once I, you know, I think we all appreciated that they teamed up with the other districts to kind of roll out one sole effort that They've made it um, very easy and apparent the that their biggest concern was our students. How are our students doing? Are our students fed? Are they going to be okay? Um, how are the families? How are the parents? And how, and how are the teachers and their families? And so the, the big focus has really been on the mental health aspect, the, the food aspect, those things that are, if you don't have those things in place, you're not going to be able to learn. And then the learning has come along with that. And so they've really put their their main focus on those things that are really the most important during this time, and that's really appreciated. And I think the parents and teachers and the students all understand this, and it really helps them to reframe how they think about this whole uh, very odd pandemic situation that we're in right now.
0: So this is obviously not an ideal situation for learning? I mean, from the relationship aspect to the, you know, immediate three-dimensional aspect. Tell me about some of the ways that this is stretching you just as an educator. I mean, what are you having to shift in your own approach to make sure that, you know, that you can do this successfully?
1: Um, For me, I am someone who, when my students have walked in my door, you can immediately tell, are they having a good day? Are they having a bad day? You can tell by their body language, you know, how their um, facial expressions are. And so that's been a big transition for me because I'm not able to check in with my students in that way. And so I've I've emailed every single one of my students. I communicate with them on Google Classroom. Um, I try to, in my classroom, I tend to kind of always have sarcastic jokes and do funny things. And so I've discovered this beautiful thing with my Chromebook that, you can send gifts and so I mean every single student who has sent me an email gets a a weird random gift and I put hashtags and weird jokes and things in there that's just my way of trying to communicate with my kids to let them know like as much as it can be um there is some normalcy in this but it it is difficult you know it's a struggle I sit down every day and just I cycle between okay I've got this and just Panic and worry because I'm not physically able to see my kids. But um, you know, there's lots of ways we can get around that. And I know that they feel safe. And I know that if they have anything, if they have a need, if they need anything at all, I know that they will not hesitate to email me or their other teachers, and we'll be able to get them whatever they need. So I just have to keep reminding myself that that we're all going to get through this, and it's all going to be fine. And look for the look for the good in the situation, which there has been um, vast amounts of.
0: Yeah, and that's that's my next question. It's it's the one that I like to end each of these interviews with is to ask my guest what's something that's giving you hope right now. So, I mean, what are you seeing? What what's one thing maybe within your among your students or your community, your colleagues that that gives you a sense of optimism?
1: I just think the amount of kindness that is happening has always been there, but now that we are you know, all of these extra things are kind of stripped down, and we are, you know, we're forced to be safe at home. Um, just the amount of kindness and compassion that's happening in our community with our students, you know, when I have these Zoom meetings with my students, they're hanging out with their brothers and sisters, they're, they're baking, you know, and they're really connecting in these ways that through technology, which is a really unusual thing to think about, because we think of technology as kind of a a barrier that has always prevented us from being able to, um, for students to truly learn because they're on their cell phones or whatever. And it's just such a, it's such a unique time because technology is what is allowing us to connect on a deeper level with students that we've not ever been able to connect with. These students connect with other students before. I was having a Zoom meeting with a student yesterday who said, she's had the most meaningful conversations with students. Just because of this pandemic, just because they are you know um staying at home, she's had these conversations that have just been really in depth and um you know things like that that wouldn't happen normally if we were just going about our normal day to day business so um you know, there's been a lot of really bright, wonderful things that have happened from this for sure.
0: Cassandra Harris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. yeah, absolutely.
2: So my name is Matt Buck. I am the resident district manager for Chartwells at Amarillo ISD, and uh, I oversee the child nutrition program and manage the child nutrition program for Amarillo ISD.
0: Matt, thanks for being on the show. Um, Before we talk about what's happening right now in terms of child nutrition, can you give me a sense of what your job entailed, let's say before spring break, before the schools began to close? So
2: before spring break, um, things were you know, pretty normal, as normal as you could consider for, you know, a large school district feeding about uh, 40,000 meals a day. Um, we we have 55 schools in the district, uh, about 350 staff members in the child nutrition program. You know, best team I could ever imagine working with, and, you know, prior to spring break, everything was, was operating like a well-oiled machine. Um, and Then, obviously, you know, the whole COVID-19 pandemic happened.
0: Yeah. So tell me about how you and your team had to shift to meet the needs of so many kids who depend on the school day to provide meals. Tell me what that looked like.
2: Absolutely. So, so that was a program that we kind of had to, you know, just invent on a whim. It's, it's obviously something that, uh, you know, none of us have ever really dealt with before. Over spring break, uh, I had meetings with my staff. Um, try to develop a plan, make sure we had product in place. Um, Basically, we just had to develop a plan to make sure that we could reach as many kids as effectively as we possibly could. And initially, we started with four sites that did breakfast um, and eight sites that did lunch. And as we've developed this program, we've realized that we needed to have have a greater outreach for that. And We've continued to modify our plan and, and grow what we're doing. Um, currently today, we are operating 16 sites in the school district. Both sites are feeding breakfast and lunch. And today was actually the first day where we started distributing weekend meals as well. So today when, when anybody came to one of our 16 sites, they received breakfast and lunch for the next three days. And today was, I mean, we had just a huge outreach today. I actually just got done uh, with our daily count for today, and we served over 39,000 meals
0: today. Wow. And that's, have, have you repurposed all your team members, people who would have been like distributing lunches in elementary schools and middle schools? Is everybody working now at these different sites to try to get everything done?
2: So out of my entire staff, not, not everybody is currently working the sites. Um, the, the kitchens where, you know, we are still providing meals, typically it's the same kitchen staff that's operating those kitchens. Uh, we've also got some additional staff that we'd need to call in. Um, we have a, a full-service bakery that's still operating and making deliveries like normal. I've got a maintenance team that's in the process of delivering food and rerouting food and you know moving product around from some of the kitchens that are that are currently not operating to the kitchens that are operating just so that we can make sure that you know we're not having any product spoilage in, in some of these other kitchens and that we're utilizing the food the best way we can. But yeah, we've we still got probably a 75 to eighty staff members working on a daily
0: basis. What does it look like at the, at the pickup sites? Is it parents coming through in vehicles? Is it kids walking up from the neighborhoods? Um, are you handing out food in, like, takeout containers?
2: It's, it's, it's mostly in a uh, brown plastic bag, or I'm sorry, a brown paper bag, and it's drive-up service. So the vast majority of the people that are coming through our curbside delivery are in vehicles. Um, Most of them, the kids are present with the parents. Sometimes it's just the parents who are coming and they've got children at home that they're picking up the meals. And we are allowing for parents to pick up meals for their children, as long as those parents can provide some kind of documentation that shows that they've got a child in the AISD school system. We do have a few students at some schools that will either ride their bike up or, or walk up to pick up some meals and then walk home to eat them. But mostly it's drive up.
0: Tell me about how you've been able to partner with community organizations and other resources like Snack Pack for Kids and the High Plains Food Bank, the Kids Cafe. How are you working with those organizations?
2: Absolutely. Kids Kids Cafe and Snack Pack for Kids have also been, I mean, they've been huge help throughout this whole process, reaching out to our students. Um, Snack Pack for Kids, just for example, today they were right next to us at all of our 16 sites, handing out snack packs for the weekend as well. Um, I know that Kids Cafe is at some sites and they're and they're taking care of some evening meals and, and those kinds of things. And they're, you know, they're they're kind of filling in the gaps where you know for the evening meals where where we don't have an evening service. Um, also, some of the programs so far is like what snack packs for kids is doing, just being able to provide some. The additional support for our families, it's, it's been hugely successful and very beneficial to us and the community.
0: Have you heard anything, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be anecdotal, but have you heard anything from the kids, or I'm sure the parents, about maybe the burden it's relieved from them, you know, of having to provide these meals for kids at home when a parent may be working?
2: Absolutely. My my staff out in the field, our team that's working the sites, on a daily basis, they're receiving whether it be thank-you cards or parents who are almost in tears, just thanking them for the service that we're providing. We also have some community members and, and some of the local um, companies in Amarillo that are reaching out. Just, just for example, um, Nothing Bunt Cakes provided all of our staff out in the field today with you know a complimentary little buntlet cake just to show their appreciation. So the community at large is is reaching out to thank us and show us how great uh, that that they're appreciating what we're doing for them.
0: I know, Matt, that a lot of organizations and businesses are discovering from this period, you know, as they shift, as they change and innovate, that they're going to learn things that maybe they're able to implement going forward after life returns to something close to normal. Do you feel like this is a case with with you, with your focus on child nutrition, and how you deliver meals with the schools? I
2: think absolutely. Um, one of the things that this kind of a feeding program helps you realize is, you know, the things that you've done in the past, a lot of the things that we're so used to doing that we do just based on habit, um, they may not be the best way. Um, so far as when we started doing this feeding program and we were distributing meals, we've learned as, we've, as we go. Um, when it comes to packaging meals and how to work together as a team, how to make 39,000 sandwiches in a few days, you, you just figure out how to streamline your operations and how, how to work together and, and how to work together in a situation that's not ideal It's not normal. And you've got limited resources, and you constantly are wondering if, you know, if your deliveries are going to make it on time, if your staff's going to be able to show up to work, are you going to get product, you know, substitutions from your distributors, and and how are you going to overcome that to be able to continue to feed these kids? So, yes, it it, it certainly helps you realize kind of how to plan ahead and also just to be adaptable just to realize that you never quite know what's going to happen throughout a day. And you've just got to be able to, to roll with it and and make the changes as you go.
0: Matt, the last question is a question I've been asking all my guests and it's what's bringing you hope right now, as you've seen your team pivot, as you've seen the school system collaborate, is there something within this moment that's giving you some optimism for the future?
2: Absolutely. This whole moment, you know, it's, it's making me realize how strong of a team, how strong of an administration, how strong of a community we have. I was actually at the Hastings parking lot this afternoon for, Will's, for Margaret Wills' meal service, and just watching that team collaborate, that team work together, it almost brought tears to my eyes. I think one of the things that I'm realizing most about this, and that I'm the most proud of, is is seeing my my team come together, and and they're working so strong together, and to see the impact that they're having in this community and for these students and for these families, that's what keeps me going, um, and that's what what keeps me proud to be part of this. It it's a Very fantastic feeling to know when you go home at the end of the day that you've been able to help this community and you've been able to help your team and that you have provided a needed service that is so beneficial to so many people right now. It really keeps me going, keeps me coming back.
0: Matt Buck, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate being here. Thank you.
3: My name is Tracy Mormon, and I'm the Director of Counseling and College and Career Readiness, and I think this is my ninth year in this position.
0: Okay, Tracy, what kind of background do you have? Do you have a background, like, as a teacher or as an educator? Where where are you coming from with this job?
3: So um, I have 10 years as a classroom teacher, and then I was a campus counselor for five prior to moving into this role.
0: Okay, can you tell me a little bit about what your job looked like uh, before spring break, before the decision to close the schools? What was kind of the scope of it?
3: So um, prior to spring break, um, I spent a little bit more time on campuses. Um, I got to see um, students a little bit more. Of course, I got to see uh, my counselors, my social workers. Testing was, was we were kind of in the middle of starting testing, um, assessment is always a part of what we're doing um, and so we were kind of gearing up for for that prior to spring break um and then spring break hit <laughs> um and so everything kind of came to a sudden halt um, and everybody went a little bit into lockdown and so um, who I see is, is very different now. Um, I always joke that counselors are very extroverted people. We love people. We like to see people. And so to not be able to have that, um, that true one-on-one interaction is, um, very different for counselors. So, um, I feel like sometimes our our counselors are struggling a little bit more than um, some of our our students and teachers are because we we like to have um that interaction with our with our students. We miss that. We miss being able to see their faces and to to be able to read their body language and kind of see how they're doing every day.
0: So tell me how you've actually been doing that job then. I mean, as how does yeah. the work of a counselor continue it's, in a situation like this?
3: Yeah, and it completely changes. You have to completely think outside of the box. So the very first thing that w- that we did when we realized that this was going to happen, um, w- we developed what we call our daily check-in. And so it's a Google sheet, um, a Google form, and our students can fill that out. Um, and really quickly, and they just go through it. They tell us how they were feeling that day. Um, that we use um, emojis. And so it it shows an emoji that's like, hey, I'm happy, I'm dancing, all the way to like, you know what, I'm struggling, I need you to to check in on me, um, and then they rate their day one to five, five, I'm amazing, one, I'm not doing so good, um, and then they also can type in some information for us, just to like, hey, what's going on in your life, and um, and then we love to hear that because you know some, you know, all the way from our, we we joke and we call them littles. Um, from our little kids all the way to our big kids. But, you know, sometimes our little kids will tell us, hey, I got a new puppy or um, I love watching this TV show or um, I get to spend more time with my mom or my dad to then they might tell us other things that they're struggling with. Like I'm not getting to see my mom as much because she's a nurse at the hospital. So um, now I'm staying with my grandparents because they've made the decision for their family to self-isolate for health reasons, um, all the way up to our high school kids where they're asking questions like, what's going to happen with my college decision? How are my grades going to get sent to college? Um, What's going to happen with my internship? And so because they're putting that on the daily check-in, then what we do is we either are able to call them, we're able to do virtual meetings with them through Google Meet, um, and then we're able to see their faces. And we're able to talk to them that way, and we're able to meet them where they are. So that has been um, amazing for us, and we're able to touch base with our kids um, just in a different way than we would have walking down the hall or pulling them out of class like we normally would have.
0: Tell me what that you know actually has looked like for a lot of you know a lot of juniors who are taking the SAT and are starting to visit colleges or were planning to visit colleges you know this spring to the seniors who are you know, waiting on scholarship decisions or they're waiting on acceptances. I mean, what are some of the the real-world scenarios that are playing out here for those kids?
3: Right. So a lot of our colleges um, canceled, you know, before we ever, ever did. Um, they started sending students home. They started closing their campuses. So we were able to kind of help them along. Um, we started having conversations with our students. To talk to them about um, you know for spring break I realized that you know your trip to Vanderbilt um, has been canceled or you know your trip to the University of Texas might have been canceled because you planned a trip to do a college visit but hey let's hook you up and let's do a virtual tour so many of our colleges have already reached out and they're doing virtual college tours um, so that allows the student to to visit the campus Um, They get a sense of what it's like on that campus, and then they're able to have a meeting with an advisor um, for that particular campus. Then um, to sit down and to go over and to say, hey, this is exactly what I need for the next year if I'm a junior or a sophomore. These are the classes I need to finish up. Then um, ACT and SAT have put into place some things that need to happen as far as testing, they've moved testing waivers. If you weren't able to test this spring, you can use those in the fall. They've moved to where you have priority testing if you weren't able to test. And then colleges have also waived a lot of the testing so that you're now test optional. So that's helped a lot of our our juniors and seniors who are looking in that direction on how what, how is this going to affect my eligibility for college. Our scholarship committees have been amazing. They've worked with us. If they had plans for scholarship interviews, they've either waived those and they're um, having students write um, application essays or they're they're moving in the direction of, hey, let's do a virtual interview session. Because in so many ways, what we're going to find, I think, is that that's going to kind of be the way of how many jobs are going to go. So we want our students to be able to have that skill when when they graduate with us. That's going to be a a new real-world skill that our students are going to have to have. So many of our scholarship committees are interviewing our applicants um, via virtual technology, Zoom, Google Meet, WebEx, those different
0: platforms. I know, Tracy, that a lot of what's happening now that, that maybe is, um, is a welcome change, I guess, is that a lot of teachers are interacting more with parents than ever before, and maybe even counselors have. Can, can you talk to me about maybe some of the ways that, um, you know, that, that AISD employees are interacting with parents or trying to support families you know, while they're going through this distance learning and, and some of the challenges there?
3: Yeah, so I think, you know, in the past, we, you know, we kind of did an old school. So the teacher was very much, hey, I'm going to interact with with the student a lot. And then if I had a situation or something that was going on, I might refer them to the counselor or to the assistant principal or the principal. And then from there, the, the counselor, the administrator was the one who reached out to the parents. Um, And so now what's happening is definitely the teachers are doing a lot more of reaching out to parents. Um, Even in my household, my husband is a high school teacher, and he called me earlier. He was like, hey, I talked to, you know, seven parents this morning. And that's because when he couldn't get a hold of a student or a student missed um, an appointment that they had made, instead of, normally what would have happened is they would have, he would have reached out to a counselor to say, hey, I need your help to get a hold of this parent. And the counselor would have then started forging that relationship with the parent. Our teachers are now doing a lot better job of forging that relationship with parents um, because everybody's in this together. You know, we keep saying that we're in this together. And so when, you know, Joey's not picking up that um Assignment or something's not happening, then the the parents also feeling a little bit more comfortable contacting our teachers too and saying, "Hey, we don't understand what's what's going on with this assignment. Can you help us with this?" And so it's like we're all just one big family together. And I think that that's kind of what's while we're in this difficult situation, it's also been a blessing too because we're in it together to be able to to kind of fight through it and we're and we're building these relationships
0: together. One of the things that that I've found interesting is a lot of the ways that we are thinking about how, you know, the systems might change, how these large institutions might change, coming out of this moment. And I, I wonder if you can look at it, you know, as as someone who's got so much experience in in counseling at a school level, you know, what this might do for some of the younger kids um, who hopefully will be going back to school next year, but having this experience of you know two months of of learning at home, you know, in their background, do you see anything different maybe in the way that that school is for them or that um teaching is for them?
3: So I definitely think that they will, you know, bring a little, you know, empathy with them. I think that um because so many times that with our younger kids that are elementary, you know, they're they've taught so much about how and um, they've missed their friends, they've missed their teachers. So I think that one thing that they'll bring back is community. Um, and so I think that they'll bring back some of that empathy, some of that um, community aspect that school brings that um, that they've been missing. You know, as we've become isolated, you know, and we are able to get back together, I think that, that that's some of what that they'll bring back to each other. And then I think that what we've also found is collaboration. It's been amazing to even see how some of our students um, just automatically will pick up and they'll create um, a Google Hangout themselves or a group text message to be together so that they can collaborate on an assignment. Um, And so I think that that is also going to feed into what they are going to be able to bring back next year. Um, Because it's kind of been amazing how that's just become kind of this authentic thing that we haven't even, like, pushed for them, but they've become these collaborators together um, to become problem solvers. And I think that the community and collaboration is going to be something that they're going to bring back.
0: Tracy, the last question I've been asking my guests is, what's bringing you hope right now? So what's something you've seen, you know, whether it's in the, the approach of your team and, um, you know, the teachers who are doing this and, and the kids, what's something that's giving you a sense of optimism about, you know, the the months and years to come after this moment?
3: Oh, gosh, I think it will make me cry. Um, I think, you know, just watching how much that we truly are a family. I mean, I think that that is something that's amazing about Emerald ISD is that we really are a family and that we come together. And, um, you know, today we were um, handing out things to our principals. Um, we've had parades for our, you know, neighborhood parades for our kids. And at the end of the day, I mean, these are our kids. I say that all the time. I have 32,000 kids and um, we're one big family. And that's what's giving me hope is that we um, just rely on each other and that we're supporting each other and none of us are doing this alone and um, we know that we have each other's back and that we have each other to rely on and um it's just it's been amazing to to watch that we all have just been able to come together and support each other
0: tracy mormon thank you so much for being on the podcast i appreciate it
3: thanks jason it's been amazing i appreciate you
0: And that concludes the episode. First, thanks to my guests for volunteering their time to be interviewed and to April Brownlee at AISD for helping me get these interviews scheduled. Thanks as always to Angelina Marie for editing these episodes. She's been part of this team for about 60,000 of those 100,000 downloads. uh, So I'm grateful for her. And I'm especially grateful to all of you who support this show financially through patreon.com slash That includes my executive producers, Valerie Gooch, Joshua Rafe, Jess Heredia, Josh Wood, Priscilla, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Burr, Wes Reeves, Neil Nossaman, Katie Linger, Ryan Pennington, Corey Burns, and Jennifer Callahan. If you'd like to see things I write rather than just hear me say stuff, you can sign up for my weekly Hey Amarillo email newsletter at bitly B-I-T slash Hey Newsletter. That's b i t dot Hey Newsletter. This has been episode 139. My name is Jason Boyette. Stay safe, stay home, and love your neighbor.